0: Welcome to Making Your Impact, a podcast to inspire and equip you to pursue your calling and make your positive impact on the world. I'm your host Melissa Ike. I have a passion for making an impact and I also have a passion for helping you make yours. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Making Your Impact. I'm very, very glad to have you here today. For those of you who are new here, my name is Melissa Ike. I'm a co-founder and the director of communications and development for the Dragonfly Home, a nonprofit in Oklahoma City that serves survivors of human trafficking. I'm also a writer, speaker, and attorney. And you can learn more about me at melissaike.com. That's Melissa E-I-C-K.com. Today's episode is part one of a wonderful conversation I had with Jenna Worthen. Jenna is a political and nonprofit fundraising consultant here in Oklahoma City. She played a huge role in helping Dragonfly get off the ground and on a good path towards sustainability, and she has been an encourager and supporter literally since day one. In this part of our conversation, Jenna and I discuss the very unexpected pretty sure divinely inspired way that we met. And we also talk about how our childhood experiences influenced our activism. Very interesting, I found. We have some similarities there I didn't previously know about. We talk about how she got into the political sphere and more. This is somebody who can definitely inspire and equip you in making your impact. She has inspired and equipped me in making mine. So let's dive right into our conversation. Well, I don't think that we... I think that hardly there's hardly a time that I see you that I don't want to go over the way that we met each other. It was I mean, I could identify the date, I think, in February 2016, the first Wednesday of the month. And I I had only lived in Oklahoma City. I mean, just barely two months. I didn't know anybody. And there was this women's lunch thing at this adorable shop in downtown Oklahoma City that I went to by myself. And it's so strange because I would do something like that, but also I wouldn't do something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. That often is standing in line. I'm like, well, I'm here. I guess I should talk to somebody. I'm holding my plate. I turn around. I'm like, hello, stranger. (laughs) Hi, Melissa. Who are you? And it was you. Yes, it
1: was. I will never forget that day. I also went by myself. I mean, I I thought I might see some people I knew there, Mm -hmm. uh, but I did not, you know, I didn't have anybody to eat lunch with. I didn't, you know it was just felt like i was supposed to go to this this lunch thing and yeah. then
0: that's how we met and we talked for 30 seconds in the lunch line and went our separate ways and then i was kind of waiting for the crowd to filter out before I got up and there was something, I mean, this kind of thing doesn't happen to me that often was like, talk to her, talk to her, go back and talk to her. And I'm like, I don't want to just bother this random stranger, but I couldn't not do it. So I was like, hello, I feel like I'm supposed to talk to you some more. And your response, you're like, okay. (laughs) I mean, no hesitation. Couldn't have gone better. And I think, I think I gave you, you asked for my email address right then. Mm -hmm. And then I walked out to my car and I got in my car and I had a notification on my phone. And you had literally emailed me like before I got into my car and had sat down. And, and I think that we got coffee like in the next week or so. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that we were just in the process. I mean, like the beginning days of even thinking about founding Dragonfly and a huge part of your business is nonprofit fundraising strategy. Nonprofit strategy in general, but especially fundraising, which we didn't have a clue about. And God just placed you before us. And in our first couple of months of founding, you'd put together a plan. Our first gala came together. Anyway, you don't like to take a lot of credit, but gosh, I mean, none of this would have happened. That's five years ago. Wouldn't oh, have happened amazing. without
1: you. I really appreciate that. and Thank you. I will receive it. I will obviously push back on it 100%. <laughs> right. Um, But yeah, that's those divine interventions, you know, those, those are what keep me going. Uh, And I think that when we're looking for them, you find them and you maybe don't know what they are in the moment. It takes a bit of reflection and you're like, holy cow, without that, (laughs) everything is different.
0: Yes. And watching for those divine moments and then having the courage to walk toward them Mm -hmm. when they require you to step outside of your comfort zone. It's like two big challenges, but the rewards are, I I, I mean, I'll tell you that there have been some times when I've taken that step and nothing really came out of it, but I never have to wonder what if I just had said something. Right, right. Yeah. I I, bet you've got a lot of stories like that, don't you?
1: Yes, I do. Yeah, The Lord is faithful and the Lord is good. And I don't know about the audience for sure of your podcast. It's faith right. perspective, Melissa. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to leave anybody out there, but oh, right. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's okay. But, you know, I, I just it, it, he just it doesn't it doesn't stop. If, you, if you're just like if you're looking for signs, if you are looking for gratitude, mm-hmm. it's always there.
0: I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's not a it's not a religious themed podcast, but I make no I mean, I have no qualms about saying that I'm a person of faith. I've had plenty of people on my, my feeling is if it's part of your story and the story and how you make you your impact, which I know it is for you, then it's a part of your story. Great. And that's it. Yeah. Great. Um, Sorry. That was
1: my alarm. Your audience should know I'm a freak and I have alarms set on my phone for when I should be starting certain parts of my evening routine. (laughs) Oh, I have. have I thought I turned, I turned my phone off, but apparently not my alarms.
0: So. I also have alarms set because it's always my goal to get into bed, if not by nine within the nine o'clock hour. And yes. I have alarms set to remind me. So yes. if yes. you're a freak, I'm a freak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it works for us.
0: That's right. Uh, well, so I was, I was researching you today, Jenna. Um <laughs> Because while I know certain things about you, when I was coming up with my questions, I came up with the questions off the top of my head and I thought, well, I need to find if there are answers to these questions so that I can delve deeper than just the surface level stuff. And um, one of my questions was, were you mission oriented as a kid? Because. I was mission oriented as a kid. And what did I do? I went to your website and right there in your story, you said that you had uh, gotten your start in politics when you spoke to a city council against a road expansion in your hometown and it was successful. Yes. And you were eight years old. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, I grew up with parents that were politically active Mm -hmm. Some of my earliest memories are of my mom giving speeches on the state capitol steps in regards to uh, education and excellence in education in Missouri. And so we lived in a neighborhood like a subdivision is the word I'm looking for. And there was neighborhood pool and they were going to expand the road from a two lane road to a four lane road. Well, as you can imagine, everybody's in an uproar because it's a super family friendly area and us kids used to walk by ourselves. So that was kind of the crux of my speech. And I'm pretty sure there were 800 people in there. And I can to this day still feel the feeling of not being able to feel my knees when I sat down. Wow. And I can remember the dress that I wore. Uh, And I can honestly trace that moment back to, you know, times you lose yourself, you know, you, you, you get away from your gifts, but that is a moment where I can say like, I was
0: absolutely in my gifting and in my best self in that moment. Wow. I love that. And I think what's so important, just as a little side note is the importance of letting kids speak their minds as if, as if they can't make a difference. Of course they can. Right. Um, I like that your parents let you do that, you know? They didn't, they didn't try to dissuade you from doing that. I'm guessing not.
1: No. Right.
0: They were very Um, encouraging in that regard. That's awesome. I mean, my, my parents were encouraging, but not particularly uh, politically involved. There were a few things that they got involved with, but I think it was just in me. I watched like some NBC special about recycling or something when I was nine years old and for like two years. I was like a little environmental activist and I wrote a play for the neighborhood children about not littering and put on an earth fair with games. And we raised like $40 for green or not 40. That's way too much. $20 for Greenpeace (laughs) or something. They're like, where do you want to donate this? And I was nine or 10, probably. I'm like, I guess Greenpeace was probably the, literally the only organization I'd ever heard of. And so that's what we did. Um, That's
1: great. My ice cream. My cousins play like I was a lobbyist to them, you know, like okay. my, there's literally, we found a chalkboard at my grandpa's and I had written there's this thing called outcome-based education. And honestly, as an adult now, I have no idea what my perspective would have been, but at that time I was against it. You know, I mean, I would just yell at my cousins about how we were against it. And apparently they just found a chalkboard had been unearthed and it was written on there. I mean, I was a nut. I'm still a nut and I'm proud of it. It's fine.
0: (laughs) But listen to this parallel, Jenna, because I went from environmentalism to, I used to pretend to run a shelter in my bedroom to the the point where I drew posters and I did fundraising concerts for it with my Barbies. Mm-hmm. I had a checkbook and I would like write out checks to vendors that would come to my bedroom door. I'd like put blankets away and keep everything organized. Isn't this kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. And then like we're both doing yeah. that exact thing. Yes. Wow. Okay. I love that. I and do that too. Did you tell me too, that you did debate and speech in high school?
1: Yeah. So I did, I did more the forensic side of things, mm. which looking back, I don't know why my teacher didn't put me on the debate side, yeah. you know, but I really just think more of my friends were on that side, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I chose it. But uh, yeah, I definitely did. And then I did a program in college called Oklahoma intercollegiate legislature. Ooh. And it was a very serious mock government. <laughs> okay.
0: Wow. <laughs> uh,
1: so made some of my best friends there, have some of my best memories and, It's nerdy as I'll get out, but you know, it was a place where kids who didn't have a place had a place.
0: Right. And
1: that's a sentiment I've carried with
0: me for a very long time. Interesting. And so I got into debate because one of my friends wanted to go to an informational meeting about it. And I was like, all right. And then that (laughs) totally shaped like the course of my future. I mean, debate and speech, the way that it prepared me for literally everything I've done ever since. And I graduated from high school like 20 years ago. And I can trace back so many different things to that. So, yeah, oh, it's really, it's really fun to talk to someone else who can trace these things back to their childhood.
1: You know, and I don't know that I had given as much thought of it until you brought it up. You know, like it's easy to like, you keep those things and you're like, oh yeah, you know, all these bits and pieces of me, you know, culminate into who I am today. Right. And that's something I always want to honor. But Mm -hmm. when you look at your, and you follow it like an actual trajectory, it's very, it's very fascinating, Mm -hmm.
0: Well, so in part of the the book that I'm very slowly writing, but am writing, one of the things I emphasize, and on this podcast too, is if you're trying to find your calling, look back at what you enjoy doing as a, as a kid. I think there's really something there, like that pure part of yourself that mm-hmm. was allowed to just be passionate about what you're passionate about.
1: Yeah. I think Glennon Doyle does a really good job talking about that in her recent book, Untamed. Okay. You know, and she just talks about, I I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't read it, but you need to read it. It's, it's very empowering and liberating in terms of who were you before the world tamed you Mm. before the world said you had, you were too much or you weren't enough, or you needed to be more like this or that, or, you know, this is what good girls do. And this is what bad girls do, you know, before all of that, who were you before you were untamed and can you get there, you know? Again, and it's just, it's a very, it's a concept I take seriously uh, and try to do the work around being my truest self. And it's not always easy and I don't always do it well, but I'm definitely doing it better.
0: Wow. I do need to read that book. I've heard people talk about it, but I didn't realize. I guess I never looked into it. It Sounds I mean, her content is
1: spectacular, but her writing style is just like, oh, it's just so good. She's just so good. You
0: as a writer would appreciate it. Okay. You know, I'm sold. I'm sold, Jenna. I'll let you know when I read it, <laughs> I'll get the audiobook probably then I can uh, clean and read at the same time. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Awesome. Well, the, one of the reasons that, well, I think really the thing that led me to meeting you or the purpose behind it was your own business, James Martin Co. Do you say James Martin Co.?
1: Yeah, we usually, I mean, it's James Martin company, mostly because I would have liked it to have been just JM.co. Mm -hmm. But that was taken. So the story behind the company name is my son is Robert. We call him Bobby, Bobby James. Mm -hmm. And then I have Jake Martin and James is my dad and Martin is my grandpa. Wow. And what we like to do, it's a political and nonprofit fundraising consulting company. And what I really believe part of our intentional development strategy model is, you know, honoring pieces of your past to carry forward into your future. Mm-hmm. I think that as trends and practices and strategies ebb and flow and change, you cannot ignore how you got there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when I've done, I've done political work now for, let me do the math, 13, almost 14 years. And I've seen too many people that forget where they came from. They forget how they got somewhere and they usually, they come back around, but mm-hmm. that's when the crap happens, you know, is uh, when folks forget how they got somewhere. So it's just something that I always like to keep as like a real part of who I am, who my team is, and what's best for our clients.
0: You put that guiding principle right in the name of your company. Yeah. I love that. Well, what Okay. So you talk about how your family has always been politically involved. I guess, is that what, was it just by nature of being around politically involved people that you got involved in it yourself or yeah, what overall, like what drew you to politics?
1: So in high school, in early high school, middle school, I actually wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. Okay. Okay. Which I know. So just bear with me. Yeah. Uh, I had read some books about it and I was just fascinated. I really liked chemistry. And I was just fascinated. Uh, I have pretty thick skin, so I actually feel like I could be someone that delivered hard news well, and I'm your ultimate hype girl. So I just, I, you know, I felt like it was a good space for me. And then in high school, I learned more and more about medical malpractice, tort reform. Okay. And when I say yeah. I'm nerdy, I'm nerdy. Right. So then I decided I'm a pretty good speaker. I'm a pretty good logical analytical thinker. I'll go to law school and I'll defend good doctors. Right. Cause you know, you look back, I think whenever I was in high school, like that was the cusp I feel like really of like the, you know, it became like suing one another became commonplace. Okay. I'm sure it was happening before then. Right. But I think we started to hear about it more. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that McDonald's case was around then, you know, when the woman spilled her hot coffee on her lap and yeah. it come to find out McDonald's had been having their coffee at astronomically high temperatures and, right. you know, those kinds of things. So I had decided I would go to law school. So I had a politics and law undergraduate degree and I decided to take a gap year before applying for law school because I just wasn't sure I wanted to go to law school. I still want to go to law school someday and I might, but yeah. Um, I, I didn't know if I wanted to practice or if I just wanted the education, you know, I just, I couldn't decide. So I decided to take a year off. And then that's whenever I met a gal who hired me to do political, be her assistant essentially. Um, and she worked with uh, leadership teams to do strategic fundraising across Oklahoma. And so I got really fortunate to get my foot in the door there. And then I finished my last semester of college. They hired me full time and uh, against my then boyfriend now husband's advice i did not go to law school and instead i got my master's degree in political management from george washington university and i really really enjoyed that i met a lot of incredible people in that degree program i wouldn't say it's anything i've needed to be where i am but it might be someday you know Mm -hmm. if i ever want to be a chief of staff for someone or you know do some of that kind of stuff but Uh, No, I, you know, no one, I don't know anyone who sets out to do fundraising as a career.
0: Right. Yeah, I certainly didn't.
1: Yeah, it's it's everyone's like worst nightmare, honest to God, is like asking people for money. And uh, so it's just, you know, it was a good fit. And our model is, you know, I I really believe you can't outsource relationship management. So, you know, it's just kind of like why I'm such a strong supporter of the Dragonfly, the Dragonfly because home, because I have such Mm buy-in with the leadership because I've gotten to interact with you personally. Right. Right. Yeah. So if I have somebody running for office and they think I'm going to call and make all these fundraising calls on their behalf, like they're wrong because those people don't give one flying flip about Jenna Worthen. Yeah. You know, they want to talk to that representative or that Senator or that governor, whoever it is, they want to know them. They want to trust them. They want to feel heard. Mm-hmm. They want to feel known, you know, and then that's whenever folks give, give big.
0: Okay. Oh, there's so many questions in my head. First of all, I can confirm yes, you do not do fundraising for organizations. You present them with a plan, a comprehensive plan. You make sure to understand where they're coming from. I speak from experience with this <laughs> and getting to know them and their goals, you yeah, you provide a plan for them to follow. And to this day. We still use that plan. Anyway, I can get into all of that later because I have other questions. So, okay. At what point did you ever consider going into politics yourself, like becoming a politician? Is that why you were thinking about going to law school to affect policy more?
1: So if you ask my mom on my things I want to do someday, I used to want to be secretary of state, Okay, and not for the state, for the country. Sure. But then I decided I didn't know enough languages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And which isn't true. I mean, I don't, but I'm saying like Hillary Clinton doesn't have a bunch of languages either, you, you know, fine. like, yeah. right, right, right. Fine. So then I used to always want to be a U.S. Senator mm. and you know, who knows? I'm not, mm-hmm. <laughs> please don't misplace. This is like, I'm going to run for office someday. I don't know. Uh, I know enough about the process now to know that I personally can affect far more change in the position I'm in right now than I ever could being an elected official. Mm -hmm. You you, you build relationships with folks and then I'm very strategic and sparing about using any type of influence or networking that I have to where I've been able to help get some really important bills passed and a couple of important bills stopped. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine being able to have a bigger impact as an elected official at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Not to mention my kiddos are really little and it's a grueling, demanding job that I also don't feel is worth the amount of time I would miss with them right now, sure. which is a really hard, you know, I, that's not to discourage anyone from running. That's just my own personal where I'm at because I would have to continue working, you know, like there's, it would be managing a whole lot of things. And I know some women who do it spectacularly. It just doesn't feel like the right season for me for something like that.
0: Okay. I I have to say, when I was putting my notes together, I thought, I wonder if Jenna thinks that she can make more of a difference in this position because she's able to influence so many... Different things because you're not in, you're because you're not a politician and it's through relationships. So, okay, that makes so much sense to me. And I think one of the reasons I thought of it is because of not, it's not just political strategy that you do, you have the nonprofit piece in as well. So, you're making a difference in two different worlds, although the two can overlap sometimes. But by investing in politicians that you believe in and nonprofits you believe in, I mean, the, the reach of the difference that you make is huge. So like just speaking from Dragonfly's perspective, so you've had a hand in all of the over 500 people who we've served in the last five years. And um, you've had a hand in all of the people we've helped. We've had over 5,000 hotline calls in actually less than five years because we didn't get our certification until November of 2016. So just in this one context... Jenna Worthen has helped human trafficking survivors from here in Oklahoma, other parts of the country, other parts of the world. And if you were a politician, sure, you can maybe push through a couple of pieces of legislation that could really help people. Those pieces of legislation could be changed in a few years. You know, that's not to say that obviously that's important. But I think for all of these skills that you're talking about and for this time in your life and all you've been able to do, I mean, the the breadth of your influence is really impressive. Well, thank you for saying that, Melissa. I just think
1: that people need to figure out like, what are you good at? Yep. And do it. Yep. And then also remain in your integrity and be authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, we all watch the news. We've all seen the stories. I mean, the political world, because there has to be a certain amount of ego to run. Right. right? And I, I actually believe I I'm like a huge fan of like strategic ambition. Like, I think it's awesome. Like go chase what you want to do. That's the epitome of what the American dream, right? Like go, go chase what you want to do, be who you want to be. But that also means that, that you, when you mix your work with that much power, you know, it can corrupt. I'm not saying it always does, but it can you know, so it can be a very difficult space to navigate. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I don't know, I still have a lot of work to do on myself before I think I could personally, in a healthy fashion, true to my integrity, navigate that space is as my job. right? You know? And so I've really enjoyed, I you know, no one ever knows what I do, you know, which I just kind of get a kick out of too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just, it's, it's a good place for me to be in. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm working on myself too. Yeah. You know? And that that's a space I want to stay in for a while.
0: That gives some hope to me. Obviously, I, I don't know different people. How do I put it? I don't know people as well as you do, but there are certain people who are, legislators here in Oklahoma that I just get a really, really good feeling about. And it seems like the humility is there. And I think that's incredibly important. You do have to work at humility. And I think if you have that in mind, there's a better possibility that you will stay somebody who I would want to vote for, you know. Uh, But then you go back to the name of your company and it seems like that's always been at the forefront of your mind. You're going to prevent a lot of trouble for yourself if you stick to that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I I agree with you. There are some of the most incredible people that are elected officials, particularly in Oklahoma, and Mm -hmm. I'm honored and privileged to work for so many of them. Mm -hmm. We're going to have issues that we disagree on. Right. But that's what happens whenever you put 150 people in a building representing different demographics across the state. Mm -hmm. They each have a different why for being there. You know, the unifying message is they're there to serve. Right. But the difference is, some of them have something specific. Each of them have something specific that drew them there. You know, mm-hmm. I was on, I was interviewing, or not interviewing, but just visiting with somebody interested in running for office the other day, and I was like, "You have to be able to tell, like, what is your why?" You know, I said, "If I were to get into politics, it would be something like, you know, I care a lot about the ch- about children in foster care." Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's why I have done this, 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 and cared about this, 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 that ties into all these other issues. You know, like you have to have your why. And I'm telling you some people's why is going to be really hard to identify Yeah, if they are not in tune to who they are. Yeah, It might also be really hard to understand, right? Mm -hmm. Like the breadth of issues that have to be talked about in any state, local, federal government. I mean, we only ever hear of the ones that raise the most money
0: Mm -hmm. right
1: right hot hot button most divisive topics right Mm -hmm. we're not hearing about how somebody got fired up to be there because there was a bridge that just could not get repaired in their community. Mm-hmm. You know? Or, you know, there was a big issue with prairie chickens. You know, like I don't know one one thing about prairie chickens, nope. right? But didn't, that was it. No, they
0: were a thing. thing.
1: Right. Okay. Like um I had another client who had like a big issue with like figuring out drones because there's a bunch of ranch land and is that trespassing? Is that this stuff, you know, like just, just the things that like government oversees. Right. right. And, and so, you know, it's so easy to focus on what's bad, but if you look and pull the docket at the end of the day, there are a lot, a lot of 98 to zero votes, yeah, 101 to zero, you know, or to seven or to, you know, in the house. And then in the Senate, there's a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot The ninety-nine percent of folks want to do a really good job and they do work together. Yeah. But when you have a system where you have to pick one of only two sides, right? Like we're never gonna agree with everything of whatever party we agree we identify most with, right? It's just the one that you identify the most with. Mm -hmm. And that could be a crapshoot. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so I just think that giving some folks some grace, it can be a really, really a a grueling job, you know. Yeah.
0: So. And you get the inside track on a lot of people and you have a, I think that it would be easy to be jaded about a job like you have and turn it, I guess it's two sides of the same coin. Wow. You really get to see people at their worst and you know what people are really doing behind the scenes and you assume it's all bad. But really, what if you just look at it a different way, you, you get to see the... The passion that people have for this state and for the communities that they're from. And they ran for office because they were seen as a leader in their community who helped people. Mm-hmm. And, and they, yeah, that's a really great perspective. So one of my questions to you that I wrote out was how you stay optimistic in politics. And that sounds like, that's it, right? You get to actually know people and see them for who they are and catch a glimpse of the actual integrity and and heart behind their work.
1: Yeah. And also things are cyclical. I mean, I was pretty jaded for a little bit, you know, it was, it was definitely a hard time to be in this business in the last few years, right? The tone and tenor, the lack of decorum and respect of one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think that there's a few, culprits we could point to that seemed to be the most um, easily identifiable, but that permeated every aspect of it. And it became an incredibly difficult job mm-hmm. to be a part of. There are times I have to say this time, this month, it's my job. Yeah, you know, It's my work. Yep. It's not me. It's not who I am. It's just my work. Yep. But whenever I shift my mindset and remember that you know, it's a broken system being run by broken people. Mm-hmm. You know? And if I can just keep that perspective and change my mindset, you know, yeah. then, then I can go a lot further. And also, I mean, Melissa, I just refuse. I refuse to give up on optimism. Mm-hmm. You know, I just refuse. If I die spending my whole life expecting the best, right. I think it's going to go. Okay.
0: I agree. It yeah. doesn't mean it's
1: going to, I've lost some really big races for some really crappy reasons, right. you know, yeah. and it guts you at times, yeah. but I just refuse. I refuse to allow, uh, hurtful narratives and pessimistic individuals and systems that need help. Like I, I refuse to get out of the work at this point. hmm Uh, because there's too much at stake. There's too much on the line, you know, and you and I could, we could disagree about a hundred things, but if we can agree on one, that's the one I want to talk about. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, it's an interesting point. Something I've talked about before. Well, I talked to people about it. I've talked about it on this show is the work that I do. I've never once lost my passion for it, but it's not, it's often not fun It's not glamorous. It's hard work. It's a lot of uh, pouring things out. It's a lot of wearing a lot of different hats. It is digging deeper than I ever thought I could these past few. I mean, I thought before that I've reached the end of my rope only to find that. Nope. There's some more there. I don't know if God's just like adding on little pieces to the end of the rope as I go, (laughs) but I'm like, okay, we talk a lot about how our, our, your capacity gets stretched beyond what you think and what it used to be. I think about things I used to get stressed out about for Dragonfly and I'm like, ha, huh. but it is coming back. It's like you're saying you refuse to give up on optimism because there's too much at stake. And We were just talking with our team earlier this week. Even like it comes up pretty often. Why is it so critical that everyone on our team really takes time to like manage their time? Right. Why is it so critical? Why would grammar and punctuation be something that's super important to us beyond this fact that I am a perfectionist? It's not about that. It's because every positive impression that we make, every every hour of time well spent, we don't when it when it builds up over time makes dragonfly run and when dragonfly runs people who have been in human trafficking get help and the way we see it i the way i look at it is every single person on our team the way i look at it is that lives are constantly in the balance like lives Hang in the balance. When we weren't in Oklahoma city, people here who were in human trafficking had nowhere to yep. go. Yep. And now right. they do. And so if we make five positive impressions on somebody who is looking to make a really generous donation to a place that's serving human trafficking survivors, and then they give us, it happened somewhat recently, like a, a, tens of thousands of dollars in a, in a donation. You're like, okay, how, how many people, people can actually be helped? with that money. And you don't know what they saw that led them to believe, yes, that this is an organization that I want to give to. So it's different, but I feel like it's the same. Yeah. And with with politics and the policies that get passed, of course lives hang in the balance. Of course yeah. they do. Of in course. so many different contexts.
1: Of course. Yes, they do. They yeah. do. And and that's the thing that is like every, you know, when we're all pulling, we're, you know, we're all different pieces of the big puzzle that makes up our communities right? And that's why I love the job I get to do because I do, I get to, I get to have a little bit of, you know, like, um, I've been able to help one nonprofit with a bill that we passed that, you know, expanded, uh, housing options for individuals with, that have been justice involved with a felony on their record, mm-hmm. you know, like so, that's a meaningful work. I feel really good about, yeah. uh, I got to help kill a bill, uh, very, very quietly, that I know w- protected mm-hmm. some individuals that, you know, like when, when somebody has a, sometimes, sometimes there's a good idea with good intentions with unintended consequences. And because I have both worldviews and I interact in both worlds, I'm sometimes able to be that person that says, Hey, wait, I see where you're coming from, but we've got to put a stop to this for now.
0: Yeah. Right. Get
1: better educated on some of the nuances here and come back to it. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and that's just like that's the most important work. And like you said about making those good impressions, you know, like that's a reason why I give my money to Dragonfly. You know, is I, I trust you all to steward it well. I know you're pursuing excellence. You demonstrate gratitude, and and that matters to me as a donor, you know, and that matters to me as a stakeholder, and that matters to me as somebody who just like believes in you guys. Yeah,
0: thank you. I cannot wait for you to hear the second part of my conversation with Jenna Worthen on next week's episode. Until then, make sure to follow her on Instagram at Jenna Worthen and follow her online community, which we will talk about more in depth next week, Mom Who Works at Mom Who Works. And let's wrap up this episode with impact highlights from the first part of my conversation with Jenna. One, you can't outsource relationship building in making your impact. Two, the actual reach of your impact can be so much bigger and broader than you imagine. Three, find what you're good at and do it. Four, remain in your integrity and be authentic. And five, refuse to give up on optimism. It will most likely work out for you if you do. I would love to know which of these impact highlights resonates with you the most. So please leave that answer on the post for this episode on any of my social media platforms by searching Melissa Ike, E-I-C-K on Facebook or Instagram, and at MJ Ike on Twitter. I'll be back next week with more to inspire and equip you to pursue your calling and make a positive difference in the world. Until then, please subscribe to this podcast to get inspired and remember that the world needs you to make your impact.